Uh, hello and welcome to the Doubt Society podcast, uh, episode one. I'm your host Riley Morgan, and today I'll be in conversation with James Bergman. Uh, James is a psychology student, a philosopher, a writer, and a YouTuber, and he is also the co-host of the Bastard Sons of Oedipus. James, welcome to the show. Well, I'm very grateful for you having me. Uh, your first episode, quite the, quite the. Uh... Yeah, compliment. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thrilled that you joined me. So I know we've been talking uh, back and forth, you know, online for a while. Um, and I'm just happy to be able to chat face to face. A pleasure. A pleasure. Yeah, I, I know I already mentioned this, but you got the hit shirt on. So you are, you are, you are ready. <laughs> I'm ready. We'll Although I haven't got the Johnny Walker Black. It's no, uh, Jack no. Daniels for today. Yeah. Sorry to be. disappoint. That's okay. We'll do Jack. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great American whiskey. Possibly, arguably, the great American whiskey. So uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of Jack. Big fan of Jack. So uh, yeah, let's let's kick it right off the bat. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you was what started this. So kind of what started your journey into philosophy, into religion, to literature, to psychology. I, that's a that's a big question, but I, yeah, I, I yeah, feel yeah. <laughs> I feel a lot of folks, you know, they just don't. It's just not interesting to them. It just doesn't never gets to the radar. If it does, it's not at a um, a real depth. Um, mm. so. What a loss! What a loss that is to not I, to not you know to not even acknowledge life's biggest questions. I mean, we're you know it is it is living blindfolded in some sense. Not you know to live your life and to not even question things. If you can, of course, um, if you do have the ability to. Uh, if you're not stricken by you know, poverty or certain things that make. Make the experience, you know, so you can't even step, you can't stop to think. I mean, so there's there's all sort of um, condolences to that group, of course. Um, but in, well, in terms of how I got into how I got into these topics, it, you know, even I'm surprised at how I miraculously even got into it myself. I mean, I don't know. As, as a young sort of yeah child, I was all, I was always watching these detective shows, always you know watching things that I probably shouldn't have been watching. <laughs> Um, and I, and I don't know, to be honest, it's sort of, I was always sort of uh, a different sort of person, um, in the, you know, in the playground, in the, you know, in primary school or whatever. Um, so maybe that sort of, um, split me up, I guess, not not only in the, in the physical sense of having fewer friends typically, but also just of, of a mentality. I didn't particularly like you know sports that much i mean i like certain sports but not the mainstream sort of stuff generally um so i suppose i i was i began things um as a bit of an underdog in some sense because i was i uh, i i can only hear them uh, one ear which is why one you know this ear is different shape than that they had to um they had to sort of fix my hearing um and i was born with um sort of dyslexia dyspraxia so i basically found it very difficult to write difficult to speak um, so I was very behind in school and basically what that did to me, I mean, as a byproduct, I suppose, is it just make me, um, very sort of aware of this disability, if you want to call it. And then I sort of had the motivation to think, well, I've got to work harder than most people then to get anywhere. Um, and, and yeah, it, it took me a long time to get on the same level as other people, um, and yeah, I suppose that's what started my thirst for knowledge because I really was struggling 
um, you know, learning difficulties and stuff like that. So uh, I suppose that motivated me in some regard to look deeper, look further, you know. Um, but yeah, I, as you said, it is a complex sort of question, but I suppose that is what started this investigation into into knowledge because I was lacking it and I wanted to understand more about things I had this sort of natural curiosity as as many kids do but I, yeah, I don't I don't know where that came from necessarily so yeah I, I find it I, I find it interesting that sometimes the people who get into sort these sorts of things or really get into anything they're not always the people that like you said you know you you had dyslexia so it's it's funny so many people oftentimes they overcome something but then it goes beyond that that becomes the thing that they focus mm. on um yeah i think it's it's like you almost go through that that you know that struggle and then it becomes i just even more valuable to you you know that the, because of that that process um so what year are you in at uh at uni so I've just finished my second year of university second. and at the moment I'm so for the next year I'll be working so I'm on a work placement I'm actually starting that in a couple of weeks at the moment I've been working at a um a substance abuse uh, and drug abuse sort of uh walk-in charity sort of talk therapy uh place where you know meet all kind of characters um it, it's truly fascinating and it, you know the clients the thing is right with with a charity based sort of foundation is that if it isn't a charity, it's much more impersonal. Whereas where I am right now, it's you know, it, it's not it's not personal to the unprofessional sense, but it's personal enough that people feel that they that we care about them because we do, and that's the thing with a with a bigger institute is that it's harder to sort of appeal to that personal touch because you know you, you're sort of talking to people in completely different uniforms, uh, lab coats for example, um, and and so on, and so it's. What I like about where I am right now is that it's very, it feels very personal and people feel connected to. And basically the, the sessions sort of uh, CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which is sort of ways, strategies to, to think differently, uh, more productively. Um, and yeah, there are just sessions where it's sort of talk therapy or more, more just like it's called issues and feelings. So um, you just sort of express how, yeah, how you feel they do anyway. And we sort of construct on that. And, and here's the thing, right? It's, it's not about giving advice. That, that's the big thing. It's, it's, we never, ever give advice. Only what we do is open the door to a new idea that they could possibly entertain. Because, you know, if you give someone advice, you, you, you're assuming that their position is comparative to your own uh, perception of what, they could do or what they should do um and should isn't a good word anyway as it is really um because it sort of it it, it appeals to this objective prescription uh, of how to act when really everybody's in their own narrative um so it, you know the technic the technicality are very very important we we do we do sort of abide to these sort of things and when i first joined it was so interesting how how careful you have to be with your words um, and how your words can affect other people so dramatically. Um, and we, and we see this with, with popular sort of politicians or the hitch, you know, rhetoric. I mean, this isn't necessarily about rhetoric, but how we use words is fundamental, whether that be in mental health uh, institutes or, or just in general. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I am at, at the moment. Um, going to start that new place soon. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say it's directly applicable to me to studying psychology. I mean, so you're definitely, mm -hmm. definitely have a job that's conducive to that sort of learning. Um, I think what you said about words and phrasing is, is true. And then what you said earlier about, you know, we talked about not everyone, you know, is interested in these sorts of things, but then you said not everyone can be interested in these sorts of things. Yes. Right. I mean, if you, if you're, daily thought is where is my next meal going to come from right yeah. you don't have the luxury um to be sitting around you know reading or thinking about <laughs> these things so it is it right. is a it is a privilege certainly um you know and uh it's it, you know hard to imagine a life where you couldn't didn't have the time to do that so i think you're, you're exactly right how you speak with people um you know it's a uh, very applicable because whereas Someone like myself, or, you know, or, or you may have time to do that. Not not everyone certainly do, certainly does. Yeah, it, um, it, it is a real shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And since we're right here, I mean, we're going to talk about this maybe a little bit later on. But for the folks that do have the option and and, and don't, what? Why do you think that is? I have my all my own sorts of theories and and whatnot. But I always like to hear what other people's thoughts might be. So the question is. Why? Why don't people <laughs> read philosophy? <laughs> what is it? Yeah, what is it about philosophy, or just like you know, heavier literature um, that people tend to tend to shy away from, or even well, thinking about their own religion in a in a deep, in a deep, <laughs> truly you know, kind of grappling way. Well, I'll just I'll just repeat what Otto Rank said, which is paraphrased in um, the Denial of Death by Ernest Becker: um, "With the truth, we cannot live." And so what literature does and what philosophy does is, is, is appeal to us in the most grotesque and straightforward, blunt ways possible. And it attacks us. It militantly attacks us, you know, mentally. Um, and so it forces us to reconsider our beliefs that we've held all of our life that we, you know, surface our existence on, you know, that 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 we float on. And so why people don't indulge in this well quite simply it's because it forces you to think and thinking i don't blame anyone who doesn't necessarily who's scared of thinking because you should be you should be because i mean it's 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 a heavy burden it really is and you have to sort of you have to to get the headspace to really read a piece you know like a short history of decay by uh, siran um that is a heavy hitting existential piece i mean if you read that with with no guard you know it, it will demolish you i mean it, it demolished me in many in many sections it was like wow you know i can't i i can't disagree with this right now but i wish i could um so yeah i, I would say quite simply that it that it exposes us to things that don't make us necessarily happy but but the question is well if you want to look into philosophy if you want to think your goal must be for truth not for you know feeling good or carnal bliss whatever way you want to put it yeah yeah i uh you reminded me of a quote thomas Sowell said which was people uh tend to confuse thinking with feeling or is a, a paraphrasing exactly it's something something like that and i think that's true mm. because thinking is very difficult um especially trying to think honestly and it's it's very it can be very very painful um because it tends to pick and gnaw at the narrative that you've created in your own head and if you're reading with any sort of self-awareness or honesty um you usually introduce all sorts of cognitive dissonance 
and it can be extremely difficult. I, I mean, you know, uh, I experienced this most uh, poignantly when I went from a fundamentalist Christian to a non-believer, right? And it's, you know, it's just a, it's so, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's heart-wrenching at times, right, to read. And it can be, it doesn't have to be, you know, a religious sort of thing. It can be anything, anything that drastically changes the way you think about the world um, that makes you uh, experience life in someone else's shoes. You know, it's, it's very, it can be very, very difficult. Um, but I think at the same time, like you said, it's, it's very rewarding. And I, I don't think you can get anywhere near any sort of real truth without that kind of struggle without that kind of uh, painful journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, God can't by definition exist if there is suffering, but I think that that's a bad argument and I'm, and I'm an agnostic atheist and yeah. as many will know, and it, it's not that I believe in God. It's, it's that philosophically speaking, it's an, it's an incoherent um, argument because to say that pain itself is never necessary I mean, that's outright irrational to, to claim such a thing. I mean, it's, it's misleading because we have to experience suffering in many, many ways to learn things and, and to get forward. I mean, you know, if, if you always do what you've always done, then you'll never get any further than what, you know, what you have. And so and along that road, there, there's a lot of, you know, well, in hypothesis terms, there's, there's a lot of pain and suffering to that. There's a lot of uneasiness, a lot of anxiety. And so it. Yeah, I mean, I, I use religion there as an example, but but I think it is, but I think it's an apt one, because not only I do reaffirm it isn't a good argument, um, but yeah, I think I think that it's misleading to say that life you sh you should expect life to be to, you know to to be all good. I mean, if you, I mean, it's kind of what Jordan Peterson says actually. Like he kind of says that you should pursue meaning instead of happiness, because if you pursue happiness, then you're going to be let down nearly every single what half an hour i mean yeah. seriously like if if <laughs> yeah. you if you if you genuinely think if you genuinely think that you know it, you, you should even be allowed and this is the thing it's this sort of position of authority that you that many people find it easy to put themselves in which we all have i i imagine um but yeah it's so easy to assume that you know we 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 deserve some sort of happiness when really that isn't the case we have to do the best with what we have. And again, I would agree with Peterson. We should pursue what's meaningful, not um, just mere happiness. Because, I mean, what do we even mean by happiness? You know, me, when you pursue meaning, um, the happiness comes after that. But, but it's, you know, to conflate, the boat, to, to conflate them is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, not very useful. Yeah, I, I completely, completely agree. You touched on a few things there that you made me think of. Um, one being being happiness, and the first being just difficult things and, and and suffering, and why the idea that we suffer is not a good argument um, against. Uh, people say you know there's suffering, so there can't be a god, and I, I I don't at all think that constitutes an argument. I think you're completely right. Um, w one of the horrors to me of the traditional uh, presentation of heaven is of this bliss where there's there's no struggle right there, there's no pain mm. there's no anxiety and for me i everything in my life that's ever been meaningful has always come from some sort of struggle and some sort of pain so i i can't imagine 
living in a state of, of bliss like that where to me it just it dissolves into utter meaningless i mean there's it just doesn't constitute a humanity uh you know nor, or it doesn't constitute what being a human is nor does it seem to i don't think it'd be any sort of existence not any sort of regal existence you know mm-hmm. so i i when people say the problem of evil to me i'm i just i i'm what's the alternative like <laughs> You know, there's no, there'd be no growth. There'd be no relationship, love, you know, it's just like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you can't have those good without having those bad things. I think it's a, you have to have both ends of it. So I've never really put a lot of stock in that either, but I like what you said about Peterson. I'm, I, I like Jordan, um, despite his many detractors. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we can definitely agree. I, th- I think we both probably agree on exactly the same points about about his um detractors and his you know good things yeah 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 i um but i i think he's right about pursuing meaning over pursuing happiness um you're gonna have a lot i think you're gonna do a lot better in life if you you know pursue things that have meaning in them um instead of just you know chasing happiness i think just ends up chasing pleasure which can be great right. for a day or two, but it, it doesn't seem to have any sort of lasting, mm. um, lasting effect. And, you know, I, I, you know, we're not, like we said, we're not guaranteed happiness. That's why I so much love the words, uh, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, you know, it's the, it's the active, you can, you can, it's the pursuit. You're not guaranteed happiness. Mm. You're guaranteed the pursuit. Um, and as Jordan said, better to chase meaning than to, than to chase happiness probably. Yeah, I mean, it's just much more constructive as well. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, well, since we sort of already started talking about, and you know, we brought up a few times, that we're both non-religious individuals, both both atheists, and I would also class myself, classify myself in the same way you do as an agnostic atheist. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Were you raised religious at all, or were you raised in a non-religious household? How did you come <laughs> to hold that that belief? Because I mm. think obviously this podcast is called Doubt Society, um, and a lot of it is <laughs> is uh, based around the idea that um, while we, you know, the religious itch exists, it should uh, be relis- be uh, resisted. I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it plucks us at our weakest moments uh, for sure, um, and it, I mean, like Hitchin said, it is rather insulting to to be asked. Um, because he was asked and he talked about this in mortality um and yeah i mean he he was asked for example you know is he is he going to convert because he's now ill i mean what kind of insult is that it's 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 just uh you know reputable um well in terms of my upbringing i I wasn't i wasn't brought up anything really i mean we we didn't particularly discuss it um i mean in in england i suppose that there is a sort of the religious influence is there but not to the same extent as it is in the u.s i mean by far not um so not i I wasn't brought up with any sort of um bias let's say um in in the particular uh notion of being told you know which which side is right or wrong um although i did discover richard dawkins on youtube um quite early on when i was probably 14 or something and i and i just you know i don't know there was just something about it which i was just like yeah i mean you know it, it, look at these religious fools now nowadays i'm i'm much more um i i'm i, I think that 
you know, I've looked into the philosophical arguments and I think that you have to give theism its 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 day because I'm not going to lie, you know, we we have had good the, uh, theologians over the centuries, and they may and they and they have made good arguments, good cases, and so I, I think to dismiss religion entirely, which is what a lot of atheists do, um, is 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 a big mistake, um, and it, and it's almost like with the new atheism as well. Is that it's a cool thing to do to just dismiss God and to kind of you know give it the all the straw man arguments under the sun, um, and and the thing is is that whilst the, theists don't have a good PR um, overall, a lot like vegans actually both have bad PR. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I would say atheists as well as this are, are quite a lot of the time they're actually represented quite negatively. I mean, in in the in the understandable sense because. You know, a lot of the time, as much as I like Dawkins, um, he, you know, he is quite rude at times. Um, and Hitchens could kind of get away with that because he was charismatic. And, he, you know, the, the, you could always feel that he didn't, it wasn't a personal attack. It was more of an attack of the idea, whereas Dawkins, it wasn't always clear. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think atheists, as well as theists, make the mistake in being in being too adamant in their belief or disbelief. Um, I, I really do think that the majority of both groups don't actually look into the philosophical arguments. Um, and so I, I would not say that atheism is self-evident. Um, in fact, the fine-tuning argument is probably one of the most attractive because the fact that we're here is, a, is, is excuse the pun, a miracle in itself. Um, not, that I, not that I obviously, you know, agree with that, necessarily um in terms of you know the argument from the theist but i think that at the same time it's it's a worthy argument to consider at least at the very least so yeah i mean my journey was um basically uh being exposed to dawkins and sort of from the get-go sort of just agreeing with him um overall and that, as i said over the years i've read more of philosophy and i've realized that there is more to it than it seems um and it's worth paying attention to and taking seriously as well which as I said in my, well, we, I, I filmed um, uh, uh, a discussion with Eric Evans, aka The Conscious Philosophy, and Seth Gullian um, yesterday, and it will be out by the time that this is out, but we discussed new atheism. I mean, we, we can talk about this a bit further because it is a bit of a you know complex topic, and if you want to go into that, we can. Um, I, I'd be happy to, but um, we were just saying that, you know, whilst, whilst the new atheists did a good job at sort of pointing out pointing the finger where religion went bad. Um, they certainly didn't approach the topics philosophically whatsoever. Uh, the philosophy is pretty bad. And so, you know, you, you have to be fair in these cases. I mean, whilst I have in the, in the past deified Hitchens quite a bit, I mean, you know, I, I do think as well he has a lot of problems, like all people do. You know, that's the thing. It's easier to deify people. But then, you, but then, you know, when you when you really think about it properly... Um, when you when you stop deifying them, you, you realise that they're just as mortal and rotting as you are. So um, hopefully I answered your question. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you did. Yeah, um, there's a lot of things there we could we could dig into. Um, let's uh, yeah, let's let's transition just a little bit into into Hitch. So you mentioned Hitch. Um, yes, I, I, I agree. Many things I, I don't agree with him on. He had many, many problems. I think the. Uh, the endearing thing about Hitch, though, is that his problems were just so likable, <laughs> right? His, you said he gets right. away with insulting people because of his charisma, and I, I completely agree. 
I mean, yeah, he wasn't without his uh, his issues, let's say. But uh, uh, to me, at least, just such an endearing figure. Um, so did you run into him uh, about the same time you ran into Richard Dawkins? Because I feel like that's a that would be a very YouTube, uh, you know, very, very in line with the algorithm. It's a here's a little Richard Dawkins. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 the natural progression. It was Dawkins, Harris, and then Hitchens. Um, and Dennett, I've never particularly enjoyed his stuff. I, I feel that he's a bit dry, not only in speaking, but also writing. Um, although I respect him as a thinker, as a philosopher, um, but I've never enjoyed his work, really. I found it, as I said, dry. I mean, his book Conscious, Consciousness Explained didn't explain it very much, I must admit. Um, I, left quite, I left quite a, um, a riveting... Uh, review on Goodreads. Um, you can probably read it and see that I was a bit agitated by, by you know, by reading it. Um, now Hitchens, I probably first read God is Not Great in two thousand and eighteen, maybe. Um, I mean, I, I so, and I obviously I was into Dawkins probably two thousand fourteen ish. So. It did actually take a while for me to to get to Hitchens. Um, I'm not really sure why. I suppose, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously they both have their have their sound bites, but there's something about Dawkins that was so militant and so entertaining and soundbitey, you know. Um, and and also, um, also, I, I read The God Delusion at the same time, 2014, 15. So, um, I. Yeah, so I read his book and I was even more familiar. So I kind of stuck with him, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hitchens in the past, only in the past few years, I've I've really known about him. I've I've probably seen most of his videos uh, <laughs> on YouTube by now because I, I tend to just rewatch rewatch them. Uh, you know, you know, people have like comfort foods. Well, if I if I you know if I have like if if I have just a very lazy day or like if you know if I'm trying to sleep. Uh, you know, one, no word of a lie. I literally just put any video of his on, or a debate, or comedy stand-up, and I don't even listen to it necessarily. I just have it on, and it's just—it's like a comfort food. You know, it's it just—it's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's that's such a good, <laughs> such a good analogy. He's, you know, I I think there's something about Hitch, and his love of friendship that just turning him on is like having a friend in the room. Yeah. Um, and when you are into the sorts of things that Hitch was into. You know, it's nice to be able to just turn that on and have it there present with you. Um, mm. You know, com completely agree. Yeah, I have a, I have a few playlists on YouTube, but one of them is uh, is Hitch is entitled Hitch Slap, and um, it is uh, just full of videos either I've seen or I like or I still need to watch. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I can't can't get away from the Hitch. Um, we were just talking about earlier, you have the shirt on and then I had brought out the, <laughs> the candle. So, um, yeah, we're yeah. certainly, we certainly, you know, are, are I describe myself as an acolyte. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're, I mean, I did, I did much. say that I'm past, I did say that I'm past my deifying, uh, deifying phase, but maybe the audience would, uh, would, would reject that. Oh yeah. If <laughs> they could see the, if they could see the fantastic, um, piece of art I have up of a hitch on the wall, <laughs> I'll have to show it to you after, but it's a, uh, sort of a, a mosaic, but it's, um, <laughs> it's hitch holding a glass of Johnny Walker black, of course. And he's surrounded by a halo and the halo is made up of excerpts of the Quran and the King, <laughs> and the King James Bible. 
Um, I, I can't remember the artist's name from here, but it's a, it was a fantastic piece and I, I found it online and I was like, wow. well, that, that's, that'll be, that'll be mine. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, yeah, certainly think he, he'd probably be horrified. Um, I, tr- I so I try not to deify him <laughs> and like, we yeah, said, no, you know, that, with that, with that said, he probably would be quite horrified because, yes. you know, all his, all his life, he, he, he was fighting against, uh, the dictator, the celestial North Korea, the right. the worshippers of you know the deities and now he's seen as one so um we yeah. you know we're kind of just doing the opposite of what he said <laughs> yes i engage in it as much as i can uh tongue in cheek as as possible so yeah. um yeah. you know he he loved a good joke so i think he could i think he could appreciate it um but yeah i gotta gotta love the gotta love the hitch um i think the uh how could the, you not yeah the personality there alone um the writing you know the ability to speak. Uh, Martin Amos said once that he not only spoke in complete sentences, but in complete paragraphs. Uh, <sighs> and, and it's true if you listen to him speak. I mean, it's just uh, it's quite impressive. Um, you know, and then you get the voice to go along with it. And then, uh, the you know, voice, yeah, the voice. The I, I think it's referred to as like a I don't know what they that specific that type husk of, or something. Whatever. whatever yes. Whatever of, can, of, yeah. Of, british accent i mean <laughs> if whatever his iq is when he speaks it automatically adds about 15 <laughs> points and I, well i think i think any any viewers um or listeners their iq spikes up whenever they listen to him as well um, <laughs> yeah it's but... the it's the byproduct probably why you turn it on right before you go to sleep it's like a baby uh, yeah that's true you know what they say <laughs> they say to play mozart for your kids right when they go to <laughs> when they go to sleep that's what we're doing it later except we're <laughs> using hitch um yeah, I uh, he's uh, he's definitely uh, definitely by far away my my favorite author. And uh, have you what? So what have you read of him? Have you just read God is Not Great? And then so I've read um, yes, yeah, so I've read I, I first read of his God is Not Great, and then I probably read Mortality, um, and then arguably oh no. Um, yeah, I don't know which order actually, but I, so I've read God is Not Great, arguably Hitch 22, um, Letters to a Young Contrarian. Um, just trying to see if I've missed any out. Uh, oh, you read, didn't you read recently the entire uh, Portable Atheist? Of course, that's not all. Yeah, yeah. Work, but he wrote the intro and, you know, obviously. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've also checked that out. And, you know, the he did a foreword. Uh, I can't remember if you said that you checked it out yourself, but he did. I think, yeah, I think you, you were reading it at the time, weren't you? Um, but um, he, he did the foreword for every single entry, and I can't tell you how much. It was only a few sentences long, but I can't tell you how much pleasure there is in reading, you know, some hitch that hasn't already been read, you know. Um, and I've, I've got his, I can't get it out now, but, um, I've got blaming the victims. It is, uh, his dialogue in, yes. uh, I think, I think it was like 1990 something, um, about the Palestine and, and, um, and Israel sort of conflict. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. It should be interesting, but, um, yeah, I mean, I can't actually remember. I think that might be all that I've, that I've read of him, but I, I really can't remember at this point. Um, yeah the yeah. uh, uh the unread hitch as you said you know it's always always yeah. great i i am so sad that there is a day that's going to come where i have exhausted uh you know the full the full uh canon of, of hitch, <laughs> you know so yeah. i uh 
it's a we'll, we'll get there. It's going to take a while. I mean, it's going to take a good long while, and then hopefully, yes, yeah. yes. Um, so I'm trying to trying to pace myself as we go, but um, imminently re- re-readable as well. So mm. um, I just read re-reread Mortality on my birthday. Read the whole, sat down and read the whole the whole of it um, right. because I. Not in any morbid sense, really. I, I just, uh, I can't help it when the calendar rolls around every year. You get to my birthday for some reason. I just, you know, you kind of take stock and, and think about the fact that you only get so many of them. And I think mortality is such a good um, examination of, you know, of life and of coming to terms with, you know, dying eventually. So, um, the the last the last chapter where it's where it's his notes. Every single time that that crumbles me. Um, I was actually, I was actually thinking of, because I think he, um, yeah, I think he died in December, um, didn't he? And I was actually thinking of releasing a review of mortality, um, on his, on the day, on the day that he died, um, as, as an anniversary thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I all all of all of Hitchens' books are are favourites amongst amongst mine. I mean, the thing is, Letters to a Long Young a Young Contrarium. Um, there are. I mean, I, I was less politically knowledgeable, I suppose, when I read that. But you know, there were sections where I was like, yeah, I'm not really interested that much into this. And then like it got to him being the proper contrarian. I'm like writing really, you know, mo- not motivationally, but constructively for the young sort of person and that was just a gold mine and the thing is with hitch is that i can read his stuff and i might not agree with it i might not even understand it but i can tell you one thing i I have the greatest time going through it regardless because because of just just alone the style just alone the style and and the, the the amount of different words i get taught um at the same time so yeah, yeah, in such an impressive vocabulary. I mean, it's, it's. Uh, yeah, I think that's something people don't like to admit when they when they read or they like to read that they are always learning new words. Like I, mm. I'm literally always always googling. I mean, the, the English language is so expansive. I mean, yeah, you surely you'll be reading you know for your whole life and picking up the dictionary. Ideally, you know, less and less over time, but it's uh, you know, it's it, it's it's never truly never ending. But um. Yeah. yeah, mortality uh, in letters to a young contrarian as well. I remember the first time I read that. I think I've read through it two or three times now. Um, read last year, I ran through it again. But that's the has that famous paragraph, perhaps his most famous written paragraph about beware of the irrational. You know, mm. uh, legendary. That whole, yes, that whole whole run. Um, uh, yeah, that's got to be one of the best you know pieces of prose I've I've encountered. Um, and some of his best thinking. It's so funny that they had him write, you know, the book about you know being a contrarian. I I, I think it's because uh, <laughs> he he opens the book with, uh, you know, I'm not a contrarian, but I'm writing the book on being <laughs> a contrarian. You know, on and on and on. Uh, yeah, I think that's so funny that they had him do that. But he was, you know, and that's that's part of the reason I. Uh, another thing I I so much enjoy about him is that he was so full of these sort of contradictions, you know, he calls mm-hmm. it his hitch, his hitch 22, right. The name of the, the autobiography. Um, and, 
I don't know. There's some something about the honesty of that that he didn't shy away from changing his mind or shy away from saying something that previously he had you know maybe disagreed with um, or didn't line yep. up with his his whole narrative. But I think there's an honesty to that. You know, so many of these people we encounter are just so polished and nothing's ever out of place. And the fact that they changed their mind 20 years ago, you know, now it's you know, another thing differently is yeah. unthinkable. I'm like, are we not human beings? Are we not people? And I, I, with Hitch, I always felt that he did such a, a good job of owning all those um, differences. Did I, you I, see that? I, when you yeah, I, I, I really just... Th- this whole thing about because there is a thing about oh you can't ever change your mind you're you're a hypocrite you know i'm okay with being a hypocrite if it means that i've moved on and that i've actually gone forward in things instead of backwards all the same um so it's kind of a compliment in in some ways to to be to be falsely called that um because because really yeah like there there comes a certain honesty in that and it, it just like you were saying really where is the issue in growing up you know getting a bit older or reading more books and just saying yeah i was wrong about that thing i said five years ago or ten years ago or like to to say that that is in some regard a disingenuous um thing to do i mean for hitch to do it's 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 really dismissing the entire point of even learning in the first place of even going forward in life and, and 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 know living living as you ought to which is you know admitting when things um should be the other way around instead of what you thought it was it's very courageous yeah i i completely agree i you know you see these these ads or instagram videos or whatever it may be where they are slandering so-and-so politician because when he was 70 instead of, you know, 97, because <laughs> they all seem to be so old now, you know, nowadays, he believed this sort of thing. And they use that almost as if it's, where they use it slanderously. And, you know, not only is that asking you to take, in some cases, you know, moral stances that have evolved over the course of, you know, 40, 30, you know, 30, 40 years, but it's also asking you to remain, uh, you know, static to never change, to never, you know, think so differently than the way you had. And um, mm. it just amazes me that people are so, you know, upset by that or so offended by that. Because if you're always engaging, you know, and always struggling and trying to, you know, get closer to truth, like we talked about earlier, mm. you are going to change your mind. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's part of learning and, and you'll never be fixed. And I think if you're being honest with yourself, you'll fluctuate till the till the day you are no more yeah yeah a lot a lot of courage a lot of courage in there i mean i i like the quote which is you know what what other people say about you says more about them than it does you you know all the people criticizing hitchens or whoever for changing their mind in in the past just shows how much of a dinosaur they really are if they think that that is in some way even an insult it's 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 utterly absurd yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, and I, I think how you bring about those sorts of change, you know, those sort of changes in your mind and the way you think is honestly engaging with the opinions of people who disagree with you. Um, and that's one of the things I really admire about you is that when, you know, I see you post a book review or I see you post something, 
you know, I have a, you know, a decent idea now of kind of where you stand on things. And suddenly you're posting a review of Christian apologetics. And I <laughs> love that because I, you know, I, I try to act, you know, in a similar manner where I try to stay, you know, read arguments from the other side. And I, I could be better about it for sure. But um, talk about a little bit about that, about why, you know, you think it's, it's so important to engage with those with those arguments that you you know you specifically with theology and, and such things because mm-hmm. yeah, i feel like you do such a good job with that well you know i can't thank you enough for uh for that it, it, to me it's uh it means a lot that yeah i mean that my efforts in some regard that that they are yeah they're all for something i suppose because as i i mean this kind of goes back to the truth thing because you know a lot, a lot of, and I, you know, a lot of theists, a lot of atheists, they don't read about the other side, and that's because it's comfortable being where you've always been. But the thing is, and this is what I've said before, is that when you know that the agenda that you're after is not to do with comfortability, it is to do with truth. That is when you can justify anything. That's when you can justify, you know, reading Mein Kampf. Um, and 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 the the thing is, is that you know, Mein Kampf, and this would be a good soundbite, but I'll, I'll try and disperse this as much as possible to avoid that or i suppose you can't edit anything these days but um but, you know mein kampf for, for what it is i mean in, ter- in terms of growing up in you know 1930s um and you know your, the whole political system you know collapsing and everything like that e- economics people were like well why would you vote in hitler it's like why wouldn't you if you're in that if you're in their position why wouldn't you? Because at the time, at the time, firstly, they were ignorant of exactly what his plans were, and so was Hitler, really. Let's be honest here. Um, but, um, I mean, you, you just can't blame these people at the time who, who, who were living in the society. I mean, you know, that was the only glimmer of hope that they thought that they saw. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this is the whole thing. You, you need to make sure that you view the context of history, you view the context of beliefs, because anyone saying that, you know, believing in God is irrational. I mean, is it though? I mean, in the same sense of, I don't blame anyone 2000 years ago for, for believing in God. How could you blame anyone for that? Because by definition, you know, reading was, was a rare occurrence, understanding, comprehending speech, critical thinking that, that was shunned. Um, in, in many ways, but also not. Um, but, you know, I, I don't blame any of these people for, for making bad decisions. How could you? Because if you were in their position, you would have done that as well. I mean, this is very similar, actually, and you can tie this back to the the thing Peterson said about um, the soldiers of concentration camps. You know, right. uh, how how sure are you that you wouldn't do exactly what, what they would, that, you know, the Nazis did? How sure? Because if, you know, if there's a gun pointing at your, your head and your family are one side and, you know, a, a, you know, a Jewish person on the other, I, I don't think, you know, whilst obviously it's quite clear which one is, is more morally uh, persuasive, you know, which action, at the same time, you can see the, you can see the arguments for and against, you know. So, it's, it, yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's all about truth and not, not not interventions to um make me oblivious because i re- i really resent i uh, sorry i really um i really dislike this whole idea of you know um 
comfortability. I mean, obviously, comfortability is, is okay and all that kind of thing. But when it comes to philosophy, if you really care about philosophy, um, you, you must you must do the groundwork. I, I released a video um, last week um, called Atheists Stop It With Your Lack Theism. And a lot of people, surprisingly, I did get quite a lot of, uh, well, hmm, maybe I'm being a bit modest there. A lot of the comments were philosophically composed, but many of them were not. And the ones that are not were very typical of, you know, the atheist that um, that you'd see, which is a descendant of Dawkins, you know, because all I was doing was saying that we have to question the definition of atheism. We have to be clear about this, because if you're because if you're under the uh, you know, if you think that you don't need to justify um, your atheism in any way and you're exempt from that and, and it's only the theist with the burden of proof, I think that that's a bit misleading because. You know, even if you were to ask me, okay, well, you know, why why doesn't the tooth fairy exist? I wouldn't just say, you know, well, you know, that that that's a dumb idea, um, and I don't have to I don't have to explain why. I mean, I, I could do that, but to be philosophically consistent and to reply to you properly, I would I would I would do my best to try and demonstrate why I think that it is unreasonable to believe in the tooth fairy, and so a lot of these atheists sort of come up with folded arms without actually acknowledging the fact, and this is as far as I'm concerned, that both sides, both sides should be able to argue their, their, their position. Because if you can't, if you can't, then you're just betraying yourself. And this is the thing. And this is what I stand for a lot of the time as well, is that if you can't, if you can't argue your beliefs, if you, if you don't have good arguments behind what you do, and if you don't understand what you do, I mean, you can go ahead and do that, but I, I just don't. I, I just don't think that you're being honest with with yourself, really. And I think that that is a de detriment, most often to um, to your life. I mean, you know, this isn't this isn't sort of a dictation to anyone necessarily. It's it's more to say that um, I think that it's worthwhile to 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 put the sacrifice forward um, to then live your life as self actualized and honestly and respectfully to yourself, not me, not anyone else, but to yourself. To really understand why you believe what you do, um, because as I said, a lot of theists believe in Christianity because they've been told to. A lot of Muslims believe in Islam because they've been told to. A lot of atheists have no belief in God because they have been told to, and they haven't done the work to justify their disbelief, and that's what I don't like. Yeah. So that this is why you know I, I learned a lot about veganism because I turned vegan. Um, at the start of this year, um, and I felt, look, because basically how that, ha I mean, this is, a, this is, you know, I'll make this short, but um, maybe you can sort of go on to this. Um, but, but, you know, I, I made sure basically that the foundations of veganism were so strong that I, I could honestly not refute them, nor could I find any good argument to do so. So it wasn't like I jumped on the ship without knowing the arguments. I studied them because at first I was actually against veganism. Um, I thought it was silly. It was laughable to me. And then when I looked at the arguments, I was like, well, I can't, I can't help but admit that I, that I think I should take this more seriously. And I think that I'm doing a very great moral injustice by doing nothing. And this is the thing I, ca I can't, I feel there's an obligation to be consistent with your philosophical beliefs, because if you're not doing that, then what are you, what are you even studying for? What are you thinking for? And that's the thing. Yes, it is a burden. Yes, it is. 
to to act out your your beliefs and your truths of course it is it is a burden but to me that is the most important possible thing that i think that we can do as human beings so yeah i absolutely think if you're going to engage in this sort of thing you know the conclusions you come to should be you know to be acted upon there so i I jotted down a few notes notes during that things to touch on um you know you said about why why do these things like why talk about these things you know in a podcast form or why make a youtube video or why write about it and people always think that's for other people because you know Mm -hmm. we think that we want to you know we have a message we want to get it out but you are completely right in that engaging in these sort of things helps me solidify what I believe and why I believe those things. It helps me put those arguments in, uh, you know, into, uh, in, into words, you know, into sentences that make, that make sense. And those then either help you adjust your beliefs or restructure them uh, or release them. Um, and I, I think that is, you know, in, incredibly important. You know, you talked about it being self-actualization. And I think that that's incredibly true um, and, and very very valuable um so another another few of the things you brought up there um let's pop back to the um the tooth fairy versus god i i like (laughs) i you know it's it's always fun to throw that out there and you know it's like well well you know but in reality you know people have not believed in the tooth fairy you know for thousands and thousands of years right they've believed into some sort of higher power you know if we talk about god you know a higher power that's been you know that belief is as ancient as you know humans themselves so it it is something that needs to be taken seriously um and i I think you should engage with the works of theologians just as 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 you have said yourself um and wrestle with those sorts of things um and you should have a defense for why why you believe those sorts of things um, so that you can be more familiar with people who have other experiences in, in, in life um, and just like you were saying with Peterson, uh, he always talks about, you know, the guards, at the concentration camps. And, mm. um, you know, I think that's another part of what's difficult about philosophy and about, you know, reading difficult literature is that it makes you put yourself in other people's shoes. And once you really allow yourself to do that as best as you can, I mean, it's never going to be the same, but it makes you less prone to this sort of... <sighs> you know, moral parading that people like to do where they're like, oh, I believe this and this and this, and I have my checklist and I've always believed those things and I've never changed my mind. You Mm. know, it it makes you less prone to do that because you understand that you're a product of your time, you know, and you don't look back, you know, 300 years and say, oh, you acted this way back then. And, you you know, me 300 years later is so disappointed in you. Um, I think it reading and studying, you know, sorts of things, it makes you more resistant to that sort of moral posturing that so many people, so many people do. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Um, you also mentioned with uh, with Mein Kampf. <laughs> don't, I, don't I will not soundbite you, uh, but there was a really <laughs> great one in there that I really could, <laughs> but I won't do it to you. Um, uh, reading literature that is traditionally not, you know kosher shall we say right he's a great <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, for, forgive the pun oh, i'm gonna get uh, uh but i just recently read uh lolita so vladimir uh, uh Nabokov's, uh lolita yeah. and um 
yeah, I, I as I was reading and I was like, you know, talking to people, I was like, do I mention the book I'm reading or do I not mention <laughs> the book I'm reading? You know, usually that's not really a consideration I take up unless it's some sort of non-religious text and I'm around, you know, many of my religious yeah. friends who might be, you know, a little, a little more sensitive. But um, I think there's, you have to read these sorts of things, right? I think they're there because they do exactly what you said. They make it difficult. They present difficult situations and difficult ways of thinking and then you start reading them and then you find like you know similarities in like the way you know that you find that they're human and you're human right and it makes you and you find the context of history and it just makes you it challenges you to think um do you do you feel similar about literature that's you know traditionally you know kind of yeah. out there yeah no i um i'm yet to read lolita but i've i've seen the uh, the film only recently, actually. Um, but I, I do go out my way, probably too much, actually, um, to read and watch sort of transgressive uh, things. I mean, you know, the, the two guys that I do the podcast with, uh, the Bastard Sons of Oedipus, um, G.C. Mackay and Cody Sexton, they're both transgressive writers and uh, evidently thinkers uh, once you get to know them, um, or even before you get to know them. <laughs> um, and, yeah, they're, they're great guys. I mean... Um, yeah, both both of them have some good work out there, and I, I read. Um, if you want something, you know, very very savage, um, read GC Mackay's Heather. Um, it's it's not too long, but uh, it's it's. Whew, um, that will stir you up, to say the least. Um, it's it's very kind of disturbing, but but you know, Gareth writes it brilliantly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I go out my way, as I said, to, to read this sort of stuff. I mean, <clears throat> I'm, I, I like, I mean, I read the Gulag Archipelago um, by Chauvinitsyn. Um the the abridged edition, by the way. I, I didn't want to, <laughs> you know, read a four thousand page book. Um, I'm good, thank you. Yes, I'll, I'll save that for another time. Uh, <laughs> I also have the abridged um, edition, which I have yet to. Right, right. So, so we're both into. we're both in we're both in the gutter then to the hardcore audience of the Soviet uh, history. We're in the gutter um, of a lot of people right now. <laughs> in, in the we're in the abyss together. It's okay, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love I love reading history. Um, I've read a, a decent amount of predominantly World War Two um, history. Um, I've read um, about the Native Americans. Um, there's a good book called The Earth Is Weeping. Um, that that was that's a riveting piece. Um, and uh, yeah, as I said, there's the Soviet. Um, another another book actually um, is The Wretched of the Earth. I think that that's quite a good one as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing. There's so much you can learn from history, and and what it also did for me is that it said, well, you know, things can be bad, but they they things can also get worse. And it's easy to to believe that things are really at the bottom. It's it's really easy to believe that. But when you read about other people's experiences, like Victor, Victor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning, one of the, probably the best books ever written, um, very short as well. Um, yeah, I mean, don't read it alongside Heather unless you really want, you really will get a mental breakdown and you really will start, you know, being a Nietzsche edgelord fanboy, um, if you're not already. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, I think that's the thing history gives us. It gives us perspective. That's what it gives us. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I have seen 
um, McKay's page and, and Heather on there. And uh, I, I'll have to pick it up and read it and, uh, and look through it. Um, I'm sure it'll follow Lolita um, nicely in terms of content <laughs> and, and theme. Um, in my in my in my Goodreads review, I think I I think I because I wrote up a review for it, a written one. I also have a like a video version, but in my written review, I think one of the quotes, <laughs> um, one one of the things that I said was that it it attacks you in all directions at once. So uh, I'm just I'm just hyping it up, but it really does deserve it. Um, it's 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 a really riveting book, disturbing. Yeah, I absolutely have to read it. I I just finished um, in the in the vein of transgressive fiction. I I just finished um, Johnny Got His Gun, which is yeah. an old anti-war novel. It was written I think in the fifties about World yeah. War One. Okay, and um, deals with a I really don't want to ruin it. So it deals with a wounded um, combat veteran, young young. You know, they were the vast majority were. And um, his coming to terms with war and why we go to war to suffer. And it's, I won't give away the basis of it, but it is, because um, I, I love to go into books almost blind. So it really much is worth a, a read, though, um, and is a horrifying look into the, the physical states you can end up in, you know, especially with some of the horrible sorts of, you know, war materials that were used in World War One. Um, so it's, it's definitely worth, worth the read. I'll have to re- highly recommend that to you. So maybe we'll do it. Maybe okay. we'll trade. I'll, I'll dive into Heather and then you can yeah. dive into that and we'll try it. It's, it's, it's quite good though. It's quite good. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, um, I, you know, it's, it is really hard though to read those sorts of things. Um, but I, I really do think you get more out of it because, you know, those are thoughts that you would not normally encounter just in day to day. You know, some TV is now starting to get to where, you know, you can really get some of this, you know, from from television and movies too. Like you said, you've seen. I've actually not seen the Lolita film. Um, okay. There's a couple, um, but I, I have yet to see that. But um, it really does. I think it you know just challenges you and, and it awakens you to the you know, the ways in which people think. It pulls you out of like this headline culture. I feel we so often live in. And really makes you deal with these things, you know, on the ground level. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah. I mean, it it really does get into to, to the grittiness of what it means to, um, well, of other people's stories and and what your story could be in another scenario. How how I mean, Dostoevsky, for example, how easy it is, how easy it is, to to see the other side of the equation of where you are right now. I mean, Raskolnikov and crime and punishment. Um, and also if you, you know, the dark Knight. you know, the, I love the dark Knight. probably a favorite film of mine, um, because it shows how the most moral man, Harvey Dent in one, in more or less, less than a week can turn into a monster. Only if you take away everything that means everything to him. Yeah. And and that that's the whole thing with the Joker as well. I mean, this, the same thing you know happened to him as a character. Um, the Joker is an incredibly deep character, and he's one of my favorite um, of all time. He's is so so in depth. Yeah, yeah. Those are great great movies. Those are also some of my favorite films. And I think, I mean, I can't remember now how long it's been since the Dark Knight came out, but I just remember some of the dialogue in that. I believe there's a. Um, 
No, that's Batman Begins. In Batman Begins, he one of the characters says, I think it's Liam, uh, or Liam Neeson is the actor, but yeah. he says... Morales al Ghul. Yes, yes, that's the, yeah. He says something to the effect of, Men are not, you know, men are afraid of the things they're capable of, like, or of the great and terrible things, like, they will do or that they're capable of. You, I don't know if I'm uh, bringing it up just correctly. It's something like that. Uh, you know, we fear the great and terrible things that we have the potential of doing within ourselves. And I remember hearing, mm. hearing that. And, uh, you yeah. know, that was, you know, I was much younger at the time and just, I started thinking about that. And, you know, it's, it, it's a great introduction. There's a reason they write those books, you know, you can buy and, your local bookstore about bat you know the dark knight series and philosophy is because it, it's yeah, rich yeah. i mean it's a great introduction to a lot of ideas that you find when you get into philosophy um that you know nolan did yeah. a really really good job um you know with the transformation of characters and the, and the dialogue and just what you know what's what's good and what's what's not good you know and you know, the Joker has so many things that he says in there and talking about this. It makes you think, you know, you're like, oh, he's crazy. But then he says something, you're like, oh, I kind of feel that way. Like, you know, when I'm at work or when I'm, <laughs> or when I'm, you know, yeah. you know, unhappy with my life. And the newer Joker film also. Oh, yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah. That was, I mean, you know, you said you, you also work, you know, you know, with people um, that are in, you know, situations where you're talking to people that may have a lot of, you know, may have mental illness of some sort and you know that's the same same thing with that film is just it you know you know it takes a look at at what happens you know these puts you in these moral quandaries of if you're on a bus and you see three people you know mistreating someone you know you know when you're watching yeah. the movie and he pulls you know he he pulls out the gun and kills him you know like me i don't know about everybody else but i'm like yeah you know what i mean but, <laughs> in, but in real life yeah. if you were to read that on a newspaper you'd be like some you know a guy shot and killed three people you'd be like oh i should have let the police that's the thing it. context that's how much context can give you exactly because i mean the, i mean this comes down to ethics as well because in many i mean in many in many ways um you know murder is permissible just depending on what what the what the context is you know some people would say that they'd instantly go and kill uh baby hitler you know I mean, not not that I necessarily would, but um, but you can see the arguments for for and against that. Um, yeah, I mean, the Joker, the Joker, you know, obviously commented on, uh, yeah, morals. Um, all your morals and codes, you think you think they'll save you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that, that's the fun. That's a fun that fact. Come from? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It is. Yeah. That was a good rendition, and not only that, but now we know where the the name the name yeah, comes yeah. from. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. Know, I had forgotten about that line. Oh, that's that's quite good. That's quite good. Yeah, I think that it's always funny to see where people get the names of their you know whatever it is their you know their page or their company or whatever else. Mm. I always love hearing the the different stories behind all that. Um, I guess it wouldn't be a terrible time to mention why I called Dow Society Dow Society, um, and I wrote about this on the on the um, blog. But um, it was inspired by um, Hitch, of course, and um, in his autobiography in Hitch Twenty Two, when you get to the photo of um, himself and Harris and Dawkins um, sitting around, you know, the famous gathering of the Four Horsemen, right? Mm. He um, describes it underneath um 
in, in so many words. I believe it, the words was the, uh, oh man, it's going to have to slip my mind, isn't it, here? Wow, in the moment. The party, there's a party of, we'll drop it in, we'll drop it on screen because I'm, I'm pulling up a blank here, but it was in taking that and, and, and it's, it's, it's not a terribly great phrase. It's too full of plosives and it's not fun to say. Um, it, it'll probably mm. come to me here in a minute or two. But um, I was like, man, this is, you know, I, I think this, this gathering of people, um, you know, who have a similar mindset and um, prioritize doubt and prioritize the struggle with knowledge and, of um, you know, not, not prioritizing doubt in a sort of, uh, you never believe anything that's said to you sort of way, not a frivolous sort of way, but in a, you know, in a, sure. in, in a Socratic sort of way and in, in just thinking through these sort of, you know, things in a manner um, uh, that reflects a sort of, you know, unwillingness to trust just the the moral of the day or what you should be doing, you know, that's just, that just comes to you from whether it's the TV or the, the holy book or the, you know, <laughs> from sitting in a pew or, or whatnot. Um, part, uh, here it is, party of positive non-belief. There it is. He was described <laughs> as a party of positive non-belief. Um, and I was uh, oh, that that cannot be a name of something. <laughs> Certainly, uh-huh. too, <laughs> not doesn't roll off the tongue, and it also doesn't yeah. form well in memory. But I uh, sort of restructured that, and I thought um, no doubt society would have a have a bit of a ring to it. So, well, it, it is it is a very catchy uh, title and very appropriate as well. Um, yeah, for for the sort of content that you're planning to to get out there. But you know, that's an exciting journey way ahead. So. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's a, certainly certainly worth drinking too. <laughs> mm. Well, let's see here. Um, I have uh, a little quote here from you that uh, I, I want to read and then have get your comments on. So I, I've um, tried the best I can to keep up with all your content, and I was watching one of your videos on David Bentley Hart, um, whom I, I admire and actually have a book review of him up on the blog as well. Um, but you had spoke about you know a handful of things with uh, involving him. But at the end of the video, you said um, we have to plunge our hands into the filth of the unknown, into what we don't want to know necessarily. With knowledge comes sorrow, and with sorrow comes knowledge. And I I, I really love that, and I immediately wrote it down. Um, and I think at the time I we were we had agreed to to do this, to this podcast. And I was like, I would love to hear James talk about that a little bit. Um, and it, I think it fits perfectly with what we've been discussing. Um, so I'll let you go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, um, the fun facts, the, the last, the last sentence of that, um, is paraphrasing the Bible. It's in Proverbs, I believe. Um, and it's also referenced yes. in, um, Assassin's Creed one, um, okay. which is the favorite game video game franchise of mine. um, and yeah i mean i don't know which which part necessarily um but i mean as a whole yeah it's it is about understanding the sacrifice what it is to be true uh in your in your embodiment of what you know and what you want to strive for in knowing um and yeah i mean that is the the one from the bible is is one of my favorite quotes of all time because it really does um it manifests this notion in in a matter of sentences, couple sentences that yes, there is a sacrifice of truth, but honesty is is a virtue that is that is being 
catered out, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's a dying breed of, you know, people who, 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 who do value honesty, um, and who would, who would rather be proven wrong, um, because it's you know it's it's very enthralling being right, but it's there's nothing like being wrong and learning something from it, and that you know that that's the thing as well because a lot you know a lot of the time in my YouTube videos and stuff like that, in my writing and stuff, I I, I do tend to, you know, not every single thing I say I might one hundred percent believe, and a lot of the time I might say something just to see if anybody debunks me on it because I'm that I'm that interested in trialing my opinions and my perspectives that i want people to try and call me out on it this is an this is an example of the lack theism thing because i think it's a complex topic but you know uh, whenever i do voice opinions like this um, or videos like that i'm i'm always open and always in a way indirectly asking people to debunk me because that would do me a favor um, and especially as it would just be on some measly comment section and it wouldn't be in a public arena. I, you know, I, I, I'd much yes. rather prefer to be proven wrong right now than being proven wrong in the end of my life when I've already, you know, that, that when I've already made all the commitments. You know what I mean? So I'm, yes. I'm trying to I'm trying to do it early for the sake of convenience. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, while we're in our 20s, why not? You know, try to learn some things, right? Let's, you know, some right. people I think spend their 20s knowing everything instead of, you know, <laughs> right? Is, yeah. is that not so many people? Um, but uh, I, I, that proverbial, the end of it, that is, it is proverbial. Um, I think it goes back to what we spoke about earlier. When you say with knowledge comes sorrow and with sorrow comes knowledge, that so much also speaks to the idea of the, of this struggle, right? That you can't really know things like you can't experience things unless it comes along with all these negatives mm. like unless it comes with suffering and um i just i think that's it, it, it's so true um there's just there is there is no you know when they describe the the garden of eden it's you know before adam and eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that gives them the knowledge of good and evil how would one describe a sort of existence in which you know there is no suffering, but not only suffering, but the knowledge of good and evil. And how? Also, how can you commit an infraction when you don't possess the knowledge of what an infraction even constitutes? Yeah. I mean, what sort of you know? So I I, I love that quote, and I I think it's you know it's just so true is that so much knowledge comes from sorrow and comes from whether that's from you know things that happened in your life or self inflicted cognitive dissonance from books. Um, but what you mentioned about argument, you know, you hope someone disagrees with you. I. Mm. I, I I think so many people also shy away from argument. I love argument. Not in a <laughs> not in a not in a relationship, right? And not in areas yeah. where it's not appropriate. But going back and forth, you know, and that's another reason I, you know, to bring up Hitch again. Uh, you know, he was uh one of the things I think it was Salman Rushdie who said it. Said that he was enjoyable to disagree with. Mm. And I as soon as he said that, I thought I, that is a thing I hope people say of me that he was enjoyable to disagree with because most people are not enjoyable to disagree mm. with, you know. But it's hard. It is. It's, it is. It's, hard. it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah, but I I love that you said about you want to be challenged, and I do too. Like I I, I truly think that's where you where you learn and uh, write better in a comment section than <laughs> than, than on stage, yeah. you know, what you know, whatever it's going to be down the road. Yeah, for sure. Agree. 
Yeah, and I, I love that you pulled that from Proverbs too because I think um, so many people, once they get to the designation of non-believer or of atheist or agnostic or whatever non-religious term it is, so many folks I feel resent Scripture mm. or don't want anything to do with it. Um, but I, I, to me, I, how can you not, you know, how can you not read Job? How can you not read Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or, you know, be familiar with some of these stories? Like, not only are you missing out on a wealth of some of the greatest, you know, and also most ancient literature, but good luck understanding anything here, <laughs> right? Yes. Good luck literature. understanding. Yeah. How how would you? Yeah. You know. So is that why you find yourself still, you know, reading scripture or you know just admiring certain pop passages like that <laughs> Proverbs one? Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably got a multi-function in, in some regard, because um, it is also to be better at debating, um, you know, t uh, learning things from memory, because um, it, you know, it pays off. Um, I actually have short-term memory issues, so for me, I have to I have to learn something to, to sort of put something in my long-term memory. I have to work a lot harder to do that, so um, uh, yeah, I mean, so, so I have to sort of rehearse things quite a lot sure. uh in, in order to sort of put something in my long-term memory which is a bit annoying and a setback but you know like the other things I, I learned to live with it so it's okay um but yeah no i mean learning the bible and, and reading the quran for example um recreationally the bible is much more enjoyable than the quran because you know i, I don't need to be told 20 times in in two pages that Allah is merciful. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. I think I got the message. <laughs> it's the start of every chapter of every, yeah. uh, of every surah, I should say. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if any, if anyone else is saying that you would surely assume that they were very insecure if they had to reaffirm that they were merciful, had to reaffirm all of these sort of things. Um, take note, uh, viewers. Um, yes, I, not a direct insult against, against the Quran, um, indirectly criticizing, or questioning, um, just in case any Salman Rushdie event comes up. Um, yeah. Soon there should but, be a, a fatwa on James Bergman. Yeah, um, you said it, not me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, like you said, with literature and also sort of key things in, in everyday life as well, I mean, like you said, anybody anybody saying or claiming that the Bible has no use is is sure in in many in many places the Bible is unhelpful. Um, I mean, where was the practical utility in not only not only not having slavery in your Ten Commandments, but actually reaffirming that there are rules to own a slave and how to treat one? Um, because surely that would imply that it's okay to have one, which is the implication that I take away from that. Um, and of course, the argument could be, well, you know, it was part of the time. And I'd be like, well, it was a part of the time, sure. But why did it have to be reaffirmed and even discussed? Even if it was a part of the time, why didn't he just, God just say, you know, by the way, guys, you know, slavery is not probably a very preferable thing I want you to be doing. Um, just just be aware of that, okay? Yeah. So, I mean, it would have it would have helped things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, the Bible has multifunctional purposes yeah yeah i i completely agree i but I, I mean i also i i i try to um I, I try to put my sort of philosophy next to the um theology 
sort of genre. I try to put them together because you have to have the poison and the antidote together, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is religion poisons everything, James? Is that what I'm hearing you say? <laughs> that would be my word, as you all know. That would be an adoption. Yes, yeah. Um, I do agree that the Bible is imminently more readable than the Quran. Um, it is hard to get through um, much of the, of the, of the Quran. Mm. Um, and I mean, if you're familiar with the Bible, then you're just rereading, right? Because there's a large amount of plagiarism. That, that it's a regurgitation. Yeah, 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 that's a nice way to nice way to put it. Um, <laughs> that's how I felt while I was reading it, so yeah, I think it, it's quite it, I mean, it appropriate. Truly is. I don't know what yeah. the exact percentage of shared content is, but it's substantial. Um, you know, it's kind of paganism it's, uh, as well. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, it's clearly a product of the time. You know, it's a, and it's a clear bar- borrowing. You know, it's like reading Matthew in the Bible and realizing I think I've seen this all before. It's like you have <laughs> in, in Mark, you have you have seen it all. That's a that's a whole other topic, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, to what you said about the Old Testament and the, the slavery point, I uh, that was one of the original things that I ran into. Just was like, what? This is clearly condoned, and it bothered me. And um, like you said, it's a you know you could describe it as a product of the time, but the people were a product of the time. Supposedly, God is not grounded in the morals of of uh, you know the uh, whatever century we're. In. Want to call mm. right so they said the seventh century you know, of you know bc or whatnot you know you think god would be able to say yeah maybe not you know <laughs> let's just come <laughs> in and say perhaps perhaps not but you know it's like almost as if god is waiting for the moral capacity of the humans to evolve into a stage where right. you can introduce it you know um it's yeah i mean what, what did what did hitch t- what did hitch say he said um, morality doesn't come from religion it precedes it yes yeah it is, yeah, and there's. Uh, I've also heard it described, you know, that it's a religion or, you know, what it's monotheistic morality is the ball and chain that's being dragged behind real moral progress. That it's always, you know, mm. just yeah. And I, I don't think that's entirely true. I mean, I think certainly that the uh, you know the West was positively influenced by much of the New Testament. And what's what's yeah. taught there. Um, but we have certainly... to we have to give credit where credit is due, and that that's yeah. that's the thing where where a lot of atheists go a bit off off the off the uh, off the path, which is being honest. Where you know Christianity has done good things, um, where religion has been positive, I think that that is rather underrated. Um, and again, it, and it's keeping on par with the new atheist perception, which is religion poisons everything. Which. Right. Um, Let's just say, I mean, Hitchens himself said that he, I mean, he did say, or he claimed to say that um, he, it wasn't purely a PR thing because he, you know, I I see where he's coming from in the sense of religion having its hands far reaching into, into our daily and cultural life and it it extending quite, um, quite profoundly. But, you know, the, the other side has to be reaffirmed too. So we have to be fair in this case. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any one thing can be, you know, good things can come from, you know, things that may not be altogether good, you know, but you still, there's still fruitful things that came out of it, even if it's, you know, it is the literature or whatever. I mean, the read Ecclesiastes or Proverbs or all sorts of things. I mean, whether some of it was rehashed, you know, up for debate, but it's still valuable contribution, you know, and, um, you know, 
the idea of sacrificing for the people and a lot of the themes that we get in the New Testament, I mean, those were used to, you know, counter-argue other points of the Bible that had long stood, you know, right? The abolitionists, um, you know, were Christians and used mm. the Bible to abolish, yeah. you know, work and abolish slavery. Um, and they also brought it in, yes, which is they, what Hitchens yeah. would say as well. Yes, yeah. it is. And this is, and this is true, but I mean, um, you know, at least there is that, I think that wiggle room that a lot of the, you know, the 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 books in the New Testament bring is that they bring a lens to reinterpret it, and that's what they 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 have yeah. done. You know, and I don't know, I don't think those two fit as cleanly as they'd like them to, but <laughs> at least it has allowed yeah. for. You know, I think certainly think that you'll get a lot more out of the New Testament than perhaps you would out of the you know the Quran on a, on a given day. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think that's about a that's about a good hour and a half. <laughs> Take, uh, you know, let's. I, uh, what's uh, where can everybody find uh, your content at? So, what's your you know online? Yeah, so um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, uh, where I post occasionally quotes and I promote my my podcast, and my other videos on, um, and occasionally I have sort of stories and and sort of yeah polls and stuff like that on. So my Instagram uh, name tag is just ahead of the curve. It's got like a couple of decimals and an underscore, um, but I'm I'll sure if you type it in, you'll, you'll find it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, on YouTube, just ahead of the curve as well. Um, I'm sure you'll you'll find me there. Um, yeah, and and that those are my sort of two main main places. I I mean, I have a Patreon as well, which I sort of share my write my uh, well. Because I do poems as well, I, I do some other writing, um, I post things earlier on my Patreon, and I also have um, some films, like short films that I've been in, that I've posted on there. Um, and, you know, just bonus bonus content and, like, essays, some essays that I haven't, you know, no one else's, that I haven't uh, published or whatever. So, you know, if you feel, if you feel like, um, you know, checking that out and just, you know, um, for the bonus content, then that's always, always there. Um so yeah, that's probably about it for my um, for my uh, promotional <laughs> promotional speech. Yeah, awesome. I will uh, I'll link all that um, in the description or any other relevant relevant place. But uh, yeah, I, I really want to say thanks to, for taking the time to come on here and join me for for episode number one. Um, you know, it's been a uh, real pleasure to get to know you over the past few months, even if it you know most of it was just via you know via the twiddling thumb messaging. But, um, yeah. yeah, I just want to say I appreciate all the great conversation and, uh, you know, the friendship and, uh, yeah. Well, you are, you are a great friend, uh, friend. to the rest. Um, yeah, yeah. No, cheers, man. Absolutely. All right. But yeah, you are, you are a, you're a very, uh. Well, hit and hit me quite, I, I took two in <laughs> like, in, in like, in like 30 seconds. So it's, you know, it's hit me there. <laughs> Um, you took too big of a swig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I've you know, I don't know how we've known each other now. I mean, definitely months and months for sure. Um, I think so. But you know, fr- from the start, we um, we bonded over our love of Hitch, and then then from there on, we we bonded over our love of truth and philosophy, and uh, you know thought-provoking stuff i guess in general so you know it's more of a pleasure you know than ever to 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 speak to you and to be your first guest as well i mean it's um it it is an honor uh to feature 
So, and, and hopefully we can do it again at some point yeah. as well, which, which, you know, I'm, I'm up for too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll have to come back on here and ask forgiveness for some of the things that have been said. So oh, that'll be, sure. that'll be episode two. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and, I'll try and um, talk them out of the fatwa that you, that you advertised for me. Thank you yes, very much the, for that. The Ayatollah will be in your DMs very soon. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, James. All right, man. See ya.